It's good to see everyone this morning. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 19. We've been, if you're new with us, or just as a reminder, you slept since last Sunday, which I hope you have, because it's been seven days. If not, you need to see a doctor immediately. Um, if, uh, if, if, you, if you haven't been with us for a while, we've been walking through the book of Philippians verse by verse, and we're in Philippians chapter 2 this morning, uh, verse 19 through 30. And uh, Paul is going to transition here, and he's going to talk about two men that when he thinks of them, he, he sees in them and he thinks of their character and he has to admonish them and say good things about them. And he's talking, to, it, it, we're going to look at this and kind, of, and kind of check this out. So Philippians chapter 2, if you don't have a copy of God's Word, it'll be on the screen for you. Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. Paul writes under the inspiration of God's Spirit, I hope, that the Lord Je- I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by the news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will, also, will come also. Verse 25. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Now, I want to remind you something. This is a letter written to the church at Philippi, and it was written by a man named Paul, the apostle called by Jesus Christ. He he was one who became an apostle after he persecuted the church. Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus. He's writing this letter because he's been taking the gospel everywhere, he's preaching the name of Jesus, and he ends up arrested for it. And he is in a Roman jail right now, and, and he is writing this letter to these folks. And that's the reason he can't come and see these, these people in this church. And he's saying, I want to send to you Timothy, but... I'm in prison, and Timothy's my big helper here, all right? And so while I'm in prison, I need help. And it was like this. Um, when, when people go to prison now, and I'm not an expert on prison. I just want you to know that, okay? I've watched Lock Up on television. I know some prison guards. But most of the time, the three square meals and stuff are provided by the government or whoever is the, the, is the head of the prison. A lot of times, especially in the Roman times, uh, the if you didn't have somebody on the outside bringing you food, you might starve. They might give you something. But Timothy is really helpful to Paul while he's in prison. He says, I'm hoping to send Timothy to you, but we're going to see how things turn out with me. And then he says, I wanna send, I'm going to send back this man named Epaphroditus, which, what a name, right? Um, imagine having to spell that one in kindergarten, okay? Epaphroditus, all right? Um, and that is, that is a guy who has been sent from the church at Philippi, sent to minister to Paul with a gift, but on his way to serve, to serve Paul and give the gift that the Philippians had for him, he is struck ill, ill to the point of death. And they have heard he's ill, but you're, you know, it's, we live in an amazing age, 
we have cell phone devices that are more powerful than in our pockets that are more powerful than the computer that sent people to the moon on the Apollo missions. Okay, I mean, those computers that sent people to the moon, the moon on the Apollo missions were big. They filled up a whole room. We have more computing power in our pockets and our smartphones than they did to get to the moon. And the other day, we were talking about some, you know, it's graduation season, and, you know, Judson's graduated from kindergarten, and so there was an issue, like, you know, Toys R Us is going out of business, like sadness, right? Okay, that's my childhood dying right there, okay? I don't want to grow up. I want to be a Toys R Us kid, all right? And so they, they, uh, his, his, his grandparents were there, and they were wanting to buy him something because he's graduated from kindergarten. Like, that's the thing, right? Okay, but we bought a cap and gown thing. It's super cute. Don't judge me, okay? And so we, they were, we were trying to describe what toy that, that he wanted, okay? And so we're sending texts back and forth, and it's not working out. So you know what, you know what Amy decides to do? She FaceTimes her dad. And he walks around the aisle FaceTiming and finds the toys. Like, that's the one. Do you know it used to be you couldn't, like, even it, like pre-cell phone, you had to call the store. You may not remember this, okay, depending on your age. And you had to call the store and be like, page. Paging, uh, Gary, Gary, please come to the front. You have a phone call. Did you ever get that? You remember, like, in, in Kmart, I'm like, uh, we got a phone call for somebody? If you did that now, they would think, like, something's got, like, you're calling in a threat to the store. If you called in, like, looking for someone, okay? They would think it was weird because everybody's got a, a device in their pocket, okay? But you got to think about this. They, from Philippi, where they are, which is around modern-day Greece, to Rome, is a long way. And so this information travels slowly. And so as he said, as he's mentioned here, the church is very concerned about their messenger and their friend that they've sent to minister to Paul. And they heard he was ill, but they don't know what the outcome is because mail travels slowly because we don't have those instantaneous devices. Now, at first glance, this seems to be just random information about Paul's travels and his desire to come and see the church and for his desire to send Timothy. And in lieu of sending Timothy, he's going to send back this man named Epaphroditus. However, I believe this about the scriptures, and the Bible teaches this as well in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It says that all scripture is inspired by God and it's profitable. And so this has something to teach us because Paul has just been talking about this church, about having, them having the mind of Christ amongst themselves. And if you go back up into Philippians chapter 2, he says to them, verse, this is Philippians chapter 2 verse 3, he says, do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not on to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. And then he says, have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on and says, he was in the form in verse 6, though he was in the form of God, he did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And so what he talks about here is Christ's humility and obedience. And he says, this is what you Philippians, you church, should have. And in a body of believers, we should emulate the mind of Christ who left his glories of heaven to take on flesh to bear sins. And he was in full obedience and humility to Jesus. But I want to be honest with us and, and honest with you today. Humility and obedience especially following Jesus, are something that needs to be in the church, but sometimes they're lacking and difficult. So you know what we need? We need encouragement, 
to follow Jesus, and we need examples. And so Paul is thinking about this, having this mind of Christ, and two men come to mind. Two men come to mind, and I want, to guess, I want you to guess which two men they are, Timothy and Epaphroditus. And so here's what I want you to see here. These men, in an imperfect way because they're men, show and have some of the characteristics of having the mind of Christ. Not, they're not perfect. They are not perfect. But God has done a work in them and is changing them, and they are exemplifying a life in Christ. You get this, right? There's people you look to that you admire, right? Right? It's Mother's Day, right? Okay? And you look to and you think about moms. And it's something you admire about that. Don't answer this because you might get in trouble. Is your mom perfect? Or was she perfect? No. But was she good? Hopefully, yes. And you can admire someone who exemplifies characteristics. And if they exemplify good characteristics, remember this. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from above. So if any good characteristic or good trait is really just the image of God imprinted on someone's soul. Marred by sin, absolutely. But I want you to see this here, that it's okay to admire someone and to see God working in them and to, to, to mention that and to also for them to not be perfect. And so what Paul does here is he, he goes and he looks at two examples of men who exemplify what it means to have the mind of Christ, his humility and his obedience. And then he, in doing so, when he thinks about them, he talks about his plans and how they've changed over the time and his hope in the Lord. And so as we look at this, I want you to know, I got, I got one thing. One thing I want to call you to and two things I want you to recognize. One thing I want to call you to and two things I want you to recognize. And so the first thing I want you to call you to this is I want you to offer and to think about offering words of encouragement. Notice something about this. When Paul thinks of these men, he thinks about the mind of Christ, and he talks about them, and he says some great things about them. Look with me in verse 19. He's talking about Timothy in verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I may be cheered by the news of you. Paul loves this church, and he wants to send Timothy there so we can hear a firsthand account of how God is still working in that church even though he's not there. Verse 20 says, For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Remember? Go back to, remember back to Philippians chapter 2? What it means to have humility and to, to have the mind of Christ? Not thinking about yourself first, but thinking about others. What does Timothy exemplify? He, he, to Paul, he is genuinely concerned with the church. And then he contrasts that with his enemies, who he's going to talk about later on, those who are opposing the church. Verse 21, it says, For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But Timothy's different, because he doesn't just seek his own interests. He's seeking for the church. And he has a genuine concern and love for those outside of himself, especially those in the community of faith, those who trust God. And then he goes on in verse 22, and he says, But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served me with the gospel. So he says not only that, there's no one like Timothy. He genuinely cares for other people. He's exemplifying the humility and the obedience of Jesus. And not only that, but he has been like a son to me in the faith, and he doesn't just serve me. He serves the gospel. That's some high praise, right? So that's a Timothy. Now look down in the next section when he's talking about Epaphroditus. And I want you to hold on with me, okay? I know I'm saying Epaphroditus, and we're walking through this. Hold on, because it's going to make sense in a second. You with me? Everybody good? All right, good. Five of you are with me. That's perfect. That's good. 
Verse 25, he says, And I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother. So he's going to talk about, he's going to have a list of things about Epaphroditus. First, he calls him my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. He has all of these glowing things to say about this man, Epaphroditus, who risked his life to come and take, take the gospel out to, or to help Paul in the gospel mission and to alleviate his, alleviate his sufferings in prison. So think about this, if you will, with me. Do you know something? We live in a culture of criticism. We do. We really do. If you don't believe me, just if you have Twitter, go check out a famous athlete on Twitter and see the nasty stuff that is written about them. Go on, if you have Rotten Tomatoes or any one of those movie apps, okay, Go and see how angry people get at people who make movies and how much nasty stuff they say. I want you, you know this? You don't have to see the movie. It's amazing to me how angry people get when they get about a movie. That was not terrible. I mean, go read the reviews. They're like vile and, and messed up, okay? Go look on, okay, this is real fun. Go look at Yelp reviews of a restaurant. Some of them are like, a roach crawled on my face. And you're like, oh, I don't ever want to go there. Okay, that's legitimate beef. But some of them are like, it took them two minutes to bring my water. And I want it when I sit down. And you're like, oh, I hope I never meet that person in, in real life. I have to punt them, okay? Terrible people. Just think about that. We live in a culture of criticism. Express your opinion on, on a social media platform. Okay? There will be many people who are going to be, amen, woo, no matter what it is. That's right, you tell them. And they're going to have the one person that's going to be like, I can't believe you'd say that. <sighs> Christians should never say that. And some things you might not should have said that, okay? Okay, but you just just watch it unfold. And you, Have you ever seen one of those debates on a, on, a, on a live, you know, on social media kind of go like 50 or 60 comments deep, and it's just like, and then people say stuff online that they'll never, ever, 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 ever say to people's faces? And that's a good rule of thumb. If you won't say it to their face, then don't say it online, right? Go look at the blogs. This full, we live in a culture of criticism. You don't believe me? Football season's coming. You love your coach now, you might hate your coach in week three. We live in a culture of criticism. And we, have, we get that negative, and because we have outlets, we say things. But I want you to get this. It is very uncomfortable for us, especially men, but all of us, to say words of encouragement and affirmation to other people. But I want to argue and show you in the scriptures, and you can look at this in all of Paul's letters, even the churches that are jacked up, like the Corinthian church, Paul has affirming, encouraging things to say to those people. Yes, he has correction, absolutely. But in every one of those things, he says words of encouragement to them. And I want us to consider that the reason Paul has brought these men up is as an example to the church of what? Christ-like behavior is, and in so doing, he shows that we should give honor to whom honor is due, and as 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, that we should continually encourage one another. 
And that's what he's doing here by showing these men. He's encouraging them to receive Epaphroditus and to hold on and to keep loving, to love Timothy when he shows up and, and to, to keep a positive attitude towards this leadership in a time of difficulty. And so I want to propose this to you that we need to offer words of encouragement in the church. Now, this is not a call to lie. We're in the South. You might not be from the South. We got people from all over in this church, which is crazy because we're in Hartsville, Tennessee, which is just bizarre. We got people from all over the world here, which is fantastic. But in the South, there seems to be this way where you say stuff that's not true all the time, to be polite. People from other places don't understand that. They don't. And that's fine. And sometimes it gets to where you can, like, you think that, you, that a lot of people like you when they don't because they're real sweet to you. Then they say to somebody, bless their heart. They're dumb as a fence post. You're laughing because you heard it. Bless your heart excuses anything that will follow it. What I do appreciate about, about, about people from different parts of the world is that they will, if, if they don't like something you do, they tell you about it. And I like that personally. Not that you have to agree with them, but at least you get a straight shot. I, don't know, I can't tell you how many times people have said, we love you, preacher. And then at the, when they went home, they're like, I hate him. Okay? And they showed it with their actions. I would much rather somebody go, I hate you, but I'm praying for you. And I'd be like, thank you. Okay, at least I know where I stand, all right? And so one of the things here is not to, I'm not talking, Paul is not flattering these men. And saying false things. He, and this is what I'm encouraging you to do today, is not to just try to puff each other's chest up, okay? What I am encouraging you to do is when you see godliness, when you see the mind of Christ being displayed, when you see somebody changing and God working in their lives, acknowledge God's work in their lives and in their changed character through the Holy Spirit and say it. That is uncomfortable, it really is. I was talking with a guy a couple, couple of, uh, almost a couple years ago, and he's going through a tough time. And I told him, I was like, dude, you're a really good dad. And it got really uncomfortable at that point. Because <laughs> he, he's like, I don't know how to take that, okay? And I said, I, seriously, I see, I see God working in your life in the way that you love your kids and the way you're being selfless. And it got really uncomfortable. You know why? Because we don't usually say that to each other. And I think that's a problem. I think that we are withholding encouragement from one another. And what Paul does here is in, in talking about both of these men in these terms, he is not blowing smoke. He is not saying something that's not true, but he was recognizing God's work in people's lives, especially Timothy and in in Epaphroditus, and he's calling the, uh, the church at Philippi to recognize it as well. And so I want you to think about this. I want you to think about how you can offer words of encouragement. First off, it will be uncomfortable. Secondly, don't lie, okay? Don't say, oh, you're really good at that, okay? I mean, American Idol, you know, it's now back on the air. That whole premise of the first part of the season is people have lied to people who said, you can sing really well. And then what does that, what is that, what is that result in? 
and like, oh my gosh, it's not like you're murdering a cat. And then they make it, they go viral, and it's bad news. That, you know what that is? That's somebody going, oh, sweetheart, you're so good at that. You should go, everyone needs to hear you sing. You're delusional or too afraid of the truth to tell somebody. I'm not calling you to lie. I'm calling you to, to offer a real word of affirmation and encouragement. In fact, what does Paul say in the very beginning of this? He says, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort in his love, any, and he lists all these things that there are in the church, and it's when the church dwells in one mind and one body. And, and here's, how, here's one of the ways that we can encourage one another in Christ is just to acknowledge what God is doing. And how many of you, it's uncomfortable to receive encouragement too. But you know what? Sometimes we need to embrace it and embrace the awkward, if you will, because God uses it to build us up and build up our character. And I want you to get, and just see this, just, just yet again. What, is, what does Paul say? He says, he says there's no one like Timothy because he genuinely cares for the welfare of the church. So if you see someone who genuinely cares for the, genuinely cares for the welfare of the church, acknowledge them. But do you see this? It's okay to acknowledge those things. Yes, there are things that need to get better and need to change. Absolutely. But if we encourage one another in what we see, God, we, we are called forward together. And so I just want to see. listen, we celebrate what we admire, and we imitate what we celebrate. Let me say that to you again. We celebrate what we admire, and we imitate what we celebrate. And so Paul here is calling the church to remember these men. And then Epaphroditus, what he was a brother, he was a fellow worker, he was a fellow soldier, he was a messenger and minister to my need. All of these things these men were doing, exemplifying the mind of Christ. So if you see that in anyone in your life, and especially in this church, I want you to make a point of getting a little awkward and telling them something good. That, they, that you see something godly that you've seen in their life and see how much that encourages that person. And it's next time also, here's another one. The next time you think about letting someone have it, yeah, I know, okay, because <laughs> we all are there, right? <laughs> you've ever done that before? Like, mm, it's going down. I know what I'm going to say. I'm going to hit them with a verbal chair, okay? I want you to do this. Before you do that, I want you to think of two things that you see God working in their lives with. I said that first. Not only that, I want you to also recognize another thing. Offer words of encouragement. That's, that's my commendation to you. But I also, I'm, there's two recognitions that I want you to see in this passage. First off, ser- recognize this. Serving Christ does not ensure a smooth life. Let me say that again. Because there's a lot of snake oil salesmen that have Bibles and they call themselves pastors that tell you, you follow Jesus, your life's going to be hunky-dory peaches and cream. Perfect. They must not have read the Bible. That is not not the case. And so I want you to notice something. Verse 19, Paul says, I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you soon so that I may be cheered by the news of you. Why is Paul sending Timothy and not going? Because he's in prison. Was it part of his missionary strategy? I'm going to preach Jesus until I tick people off to such an extent that they accuse me of treason and then I have to go to prison. Is that a part of anyone's good missionary strategy of getting Jesus out there? No. 
There is no strategy ever that says, all right, here's how we're going to start it. I'm going to get arrested so then we can share the gospel. That is usually not anybody's strategy, but that is what the Lord has brought his way. So he talks about Timothy. Go down to verse 23. He says that again. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how, I will go, how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that, I sh- that shortly I myself will come also. Okay? So here's the thing. He has some great hopes for ministry. He hopes he sends Timothy. He probably didn't didn't expect to be in prison. In fact, we know he didn't, but he knows that God is using that for the advancement of the gospel. Go see chapter 1 of Philippians. And so here's what we see happening with, with Paul is he is hoping and trusting in the Lord, even though his circumstances are totally different than what he expected. And he's making the best of it. And I want you to get this. There are, there is a, there's a thought out there that says, and you've probably had this too, you're serving the Lord, you're in church, you're trying to minister, and then all of a sudden, bad stuff comes your way. Difficulty in your marriage, a miscarriage, infertility, any number of things, death, illness, whatever, it comes your way. And your immediately thought is, God, why? I'm serving you. Shouldn't my life be different? If I'm serving you, then that means that my life should be smooth sailing. That is not, not true. It's never worked out that way. It doesn't work out that way with Timothy, and it doesn't work that way for Epaphroditus. Look in verse 25. When Paul's talking about him, I have thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. So he's coming. If you look at the last part of this, he's not only all these things to Paul, but he's also, the Philippians sent him as a messenger and a minister to Paul. So Epaphroditus' whole mission was to make Paul's life easier and to bring with him, um, bring with him you know, financial gifts and to be there as a helper. But you know what happens? Life happens. And look what we see in verse 26. For he has been longing for you all, and has been distressed because you heard he was ill. So he's going on a mission for Jesus, to a mission from the church to help the ministry go, go forward. And so he's going forward, and he becomes ill. Illness sidetracks him from the mission, at least partly. In verse 27, it says, Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but on me also, lest I would have sorrow upon sorrow. So here's the thing. There's a man who's going to be a missionary to help a missionary from a church to bring a gift and to help this man along the way. He's definitely doing God's work, right? He's doing Jesus' work, kingdom work. And what comes his way? Sickness. Not even just a little bit. Sickness unto death. He's almost dead. Do you think... Do you, don't you know that God is in control and sovereign? He let it come. Epaphroditus' way. He knew it. He's not surprised by it. What's happening? Get this. The Lord allows and even puts things in our path that we don't see, even when we're serving Him for His glory. And, and to make us who he wants us to be. And to get glory in situations. I want you to do this. 
You know, we've been thinking about we've been thinking about a building. We've been thinking about a new place for our church to go. But I want you to know this: if we had a million dollars in the bank and we were all like our tides were huge and we had all this money s- stored up, do you know what we could do? We could build a building and we could pat ourselves on the back. Look what we did. But when you're like we are now, where we're just hoping and praying and asking God to give us a vision and to open a door, when it opens, you know who we can give glory to? It won't be me and Tom, I guarantee you, because we don't know what we're doing. We're just saying, Jesus, okay? It'll be him that gets the glory. And I want you to see this, too. You know, the other day, we had to leave. There was gas in the building, or at least the smell of it. I want you to know something. That was probably the most successful, quote-unquote, publicity day that we have had. You were putting stuff on everything. That was an accident in our terms, okay? But God intended it for his glory. And we sang in a barbecue restaurant, and it was a little bit strange. And it got, it was wild, and we decided to do that at 9.30 and made it happen at 10.05, okay? That's, that is God doing things and getting the glory. And if it's illness, he gets the glory. Just know this, and so you don't be surprised, and so you won't be shipwrecked. If you're following him and bad stuff comes your way, don't let your first inclination be, God, why I'm serving you? Shouldn't my path be smooth? It might be just because you're serving him, he makes your path rocky for your good and for his glory and to turn you to him. Because now Epaphroditus, because of his illness, his devotion to Jesus is very evident. So recognize that smooth sailing is not a part of life. Detours and illness, God even uses them for his glory. So don't be surprised, because they will come. They have come. They will come. It's a call to rethink your life and to rethink why things happen. And it's in this short little section. And then finally, I want you to see this. Verse 28. Paul's talking about his hopes and trusting in the Lord in these situations and knowing that he's working in them. In verse 28, he says, I am the more eager to send him, <clears throat> talking about Epaphroditus, that you may rejoice at seeing him again. And why, why are they, would they be rejoicing? Because that he may, that, so that Paul may be less anxious. They're worried that he's dead. They don't know the information hadn't traveled. They're worried about how sick Epaphroditus is, the church is. Verse 29, so it says, so receive him in the Lord with all joy. And one of the reasons Paul's telling, hey, receive Epaphroditus's, Epaphroditus's mission was to give the money and then to help Paul. And now Paul's sending him back. Paul doesn't want the church to think he was not doing a good job. Paul wants him to go back home because there's this anxiety about the sickness and people are worried about him. And he can do more good back in the church than he can for Paul. So Paul is wanting them, <coughs> excuse me, Paul is wanting them to not think that Epaphroditus has failed. And so he goes on and he says, so, in verse 29, so receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. So Epaphroditus, for his service, he should be honored. And verse 30 says this, for he nearly died for the work of Christ. It's in his illness that his devotion to Jesus is seen. And then we see this, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Notice this last, per, last part, to, that he was risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Get this, this last section of the, the passage 
shows that the church at Philippi was serving Paul. The whole church was serving Paul and his ministry through one man, Epaphroditus. So here's the, here's the thing. There is an element and a part of Christianity that we are a sending group of people. And in our sending out money and people to help advance the cause of the gospel, it's as if our whole church is participating in the global mission of taking the gospel out. And that's what we see here. Paul says, Paphroditus was completing what you were lacking. He's saying, he was doing the service that, that should have been done for me because you love me and because of your, our cooperation in the gospel. Paphroditus, not everybody at Philippi could quit what they were doing to go help Paul. What did they do? They set aside this one guy to go help Paul and to bring this gift. And life happened and stuff happened. There, he's coming back home, but he doesn't want them to think that, that Paphroditus didn't fulfill his mission and that the church did send and the church itself ministered to Paul while they all weren't there they, by sending somebody to represent them and to, to do the work. Does that make sense? And here's what I mean by this, and here's why this is important. We've been, our, we are a part of an association of churches called the Bledsoe Baptist Association. And one of the reasons we're glad to partner with them is because their goal and mission is to help people and to help spread the gospel in our counties, in Sumner County, in Trousdale County, and in Macon County. But also, we are trying to be on mission throughout the world. And there is a missionary that we support in Boulder, Colorado. And many of you know that I went in January out there. In me going out there and other people from other churches going out there, what we are doing is we, as association, through those people, are sending our very hearts and love with them. And we, through the people that go and work and the money we send, we are directly working for Jesus through those whom we send. Does that make sense? We also give money through Bledsoe and others to go to the, the International Mission Board and the North American Mission Board, which is about planting churches and taking the gospel throughout the whole world. When we send our money and when we give, we are, as a church, it's like we are going with them. And we are doing this. And so there are some things that happen in a church, okay? Especially sometimes a church can get blinders on and can only think about themselves and cannot think outwardly. And that's a real problem because the gospel is, comes to us so we can take it to other people. You hear that? So here's what I want us to think about. There, and I've heard this said by folks, not here, but in other places. Why are we sending money to them? We got enough lost people here. There's lost people all in Trousdale County. Why are we sending our money to Colorado? Why are we sending it overseas? That is ignorant foolishness. Because the gospel, yes, we continue our work here. In Philippi and in those churches, there was still work to be done in those pagan cities. But what were they continually doing? Giving and going as well. Continuing the work and giving and going other places so that in doing that, we can actually participate in the Great Commission, which is taking the gospel to all of the world, starting at our place, and we can have a seismic impact for the gospel. I want you to get that because we, we are trying to foster that here at our church, that we are a church that thinks about sending and giving just as much as we think about our work here 
and reaching people here. And what we see here with Epaphroditus is God was using him and the whole church was ministering to Paul through one man. And we got some people, next week we're going to talk about there's some people from our body of believers that are going to work in different places. And if we pray for them and give to them and love them and send them out from our place, it is like our church is ministering there. We think about the guy out in Colorado in Boulder. His name's Parker, Parker and Jess Manuel who are doing that and their kids. We, that's our heart out there. That's like when we give to them and when we pray for them and when we love them and when we send people out to them, you know what we're doing? It's like our whole church. Journey Hartsville is impacting Boulder, Colorado. And I guarantee you, 100% of the people in Boulder don't know where Hartsville, Tennessee is. They don't have a clue. But it could be impacted for the gospel through this. And so I want you to see that is how the gospel works. And that's how missionary sending works. And I know this passage talks about two men on Mother's Day. Perfect, right? And I know it's a little bit different. But under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in Paul talking about these men, he has exemplified and shown two men that, that have the mind of Christ, at least in part and showed through their actions and their lives that they have humbled themselves, caring for others, and that they are obedient to Jesus Christ. Are they perfect? No, but he's seen that he recognized it, and he causes the church, calls the church to recognize that in these men and to speak words of encouragement. Also, he calls them to realize and see that, the, that you don't have your life planned out. The Lord, it's serving Christ, does not ensure a smooth life, but serving Jesus Christ involves sending and serving. So I call you to this today. I call you to a posture of open palms. You don't have to do this, but it sometimes is good to do. A lot of times, we have our own agenda for our life. Even those who are believers, we come up with our own our own to-do list, our, all, our thing we want to accomplish. We come with those things. And the Bible recalibrates us to think in terms, in godly terms. And so, if we can take this posture of open hands, you might have been too critical lately. You may need to speak words of encouragement, and you may need to look around because you've been discouraged. And you need to see that God is working even in imperfect people, even in the imperfect person next to you. You just open those hands up. Many of you have not thought about what it means to serve and to take the gospel in other places, and you need to open your hands up and say, God, I'm ready to hear about sending and going, and I want to be a part of your mission in the world. Open your hands up. Many of you are holding on to bitterness by, what, by the hand that life has dealt you, and you can't understand for the life of you why God would give you this set of circumstances and this pain or this illness because you serve him. And you need to open your hands up and say today, God, you did not promise me smooth sailings and it could just be because you love me that you brought me this and because you want to get glory out of my life, which is amazing that God can use even you and me 
to glorify him and to show other people who he is. And so I'm asking for us to have a posture of open hands. What does open hands mean? It means I'm not clenching on to these things anymore, but I'm open, God, and you're ready to receive. And so if we could, here's how we're going to, here's how we're going to close. Lord's working. As always, if you want to, if you want to know about a, more about a relationship with Christ, I'd love to talk with you afterwards. If there's anything you're dealing with in your life, me and Tom will be glad to pray for you as your elders. But we want to take this time, and I'm going to invite Tom up to lead us in communion. And now take this time of communion to really look and think about surrender in these areas. And as we look about this, think about the ultimate way we can be cleansed and, and washed new and how we can have the mind of Christ that is evident in these, these symbols, the bread and the wine. So if you would, let's take a moment. We're going to pray, and then we'll celebrate communion together. God, you're good to us. Help us to respond with open hands to what you have. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.